The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Kids, it's the .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2010 Road Trip with guest Kate Gregory, recorded live in St. Louis, Missouri, Thursday, April 29th, 2010. Carl and Richard are hitting 15 cities in three weeks, recording a new show every day. Follow them in real time online at .netrocks.com slash roadtrip. The .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2010 Road Trip is brought to you by a handful of sponsors, including the following gold sponsor, Telerik. Deliver more than expected online at www.telerik.com. Preemptive Solutions, powered by Runtime Intelligence, online at preemptive.com. And Redgate Software, ingeniously simple tools, online at red-gate.com. Special support is being provided by the Microsoft Visual Studio team, the Windows Phone 7 team, and the Bing team, who developed the Road Trip Tracker application in Silverlight 4. And now, here's Carl and Richard interviewing Kate Gregory in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, St. Louis! Welcome to .NET Rocks! Hey there, Mr. Campbell. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm in St. Louis. What could be better? Well, we're on the second half of this trip now, aren't we? We're officially there. And way in the middle of the country. Apparently, there's rivers all around us now. Yeah, in the streets, yes. actually. Well, it's uh, not quite in I the streets. I think it haven't quite overflowed, but boy, they were looking real serious when we went over the bridges today. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kate Gregory is with us. Hi, Kate. Hi, guys. Always good to talk to you. Always fun. What on earth are you doing here in St. Louis? Aren't you from Canada, eh? Uh, it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and I came here to the land of the big full rivers just yeah. to see you guys. So this is great. Um, now, Kate has been on our show a couple of times. She's a regional director as well as us. Uh, if you don't know what that is, we are mi- our official title is Microsoft Regional Directors. We don't work for Microsoft. We don't have a region, and we don't direct anything. Hence the name. Yeah, so it makes a, a lot title. of sense. <laughs> but uh, we're a, a, a sort of a close-knit early... Um, we're, we're in on stuff early at Microsoft, and we work very carefully and very closely with teams there. Um, so we're good people to get to know, and we're sort of sprinkled out. I guess we have we live in different regions, and I guess that's why they call us regional directors. But of course, our influence is you know we're all on the internet these days. We're not just uh, local people, so it's good to get to know your local regional directors or any of them actually. But um, you've been on the show many times, always talking about C plus plus and Visual Basic .NET, which are your two favorite languages. C++ or Visual Basic, and lately, Windows 7. I like to talk about Windows 7, too. Oh, yeah, Windows 7. You, so there's a secret that, that uh, 
Kate and I actually did a tour together, except we never saw each other at all. Yeah, it was that kind of together. <laughs> yeah, it was not really together. We split Canada. We, I did the western half of Canada. She did the eastern half of Canada. And we were talking to folks about building applications that were Windows 7 savvy. In managed code, C so Sharp and VB. I, th- I thought Windows 7 was completely compatible with everything, but I guess there's... Or, or is it? You just smirked when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the deal. They do not release the operating system and the .NET framework on the same day. Yeah. And mm. frankly, I think that's good. Yeah. Right? If they started doing that, I think life would be sad. So there'll always be a time when stuff's in the API, in the operating system, but it's not in the framework yet. Yeah. But isn't it more that the, the developers of the operating system are C++ guys, and who needs that managed stuff? Right. Managed stuff is icky. <laughs> there may be a little of that as well, but the code pack that you and I were going around talking was written by the SDK team. Okay. Which is good. that You know, it's actually the same team that's working on Windows that, that exactly. built the code Exactly. They're pack. writing the Windows SDK, and then they're writing the managed wrappers for the Windows SDK. It's, I still so get the sense those guys drew the short straw, though. <laughs> Oh, you don't get to real, build real software. You get to build the code pack. What is it exactly about the code pack? Is it just Windows 7 specific managed code? It's, it's 100% for managed code. And it's Windows 7 features, some of which were born in Vista. So, okay. But they're in Windows 7 still. I mean, if, if anything had been dropped, it wouldn't be. Is it there. a good idea for us to write programs that only run in Windows 7 and Vista? No. So you're going to have an if statement or two in your app. Oh, okay. Right? You're allowed. So, yeah. So let's say, for example, you want to use a taskbar progress bar, which is so sweet, right? Something's going on, taking a while, and that progress bar crawls across your taskbar icon as well as your UI. Okay, whoa, slow down now. Have you not seen that, Richard? I have, can you copy I have, a large file or something? To, for people who don't really understand what we're talking about here, let's not gloss over that. So there's a there's a feature where you can access the taskbar at the bottom of the screen right. in Windows 7 in your application. Right. And so you can you can say overlay an icon on there. Okay. So that's how Outlook tells me I've got new mail or Messenger reminds me that I'm busy or something. All oh, right. Uh, and you can also overlay a progress bar on there, which is super sweet because then you don't have to have the app kind of up in the corner of your screen looking right. at it. Just completely put it in the background and watch the progress bar so across the, the bottom. Is a properties bar... What is that exactly? It's not like a pop-up menu. No, so that the taskbar, jump lists, those are the pop-up-y things. Jump lists, yeah. And there's overlays and there's well, there's thumbnail, but there's a million things. And if you want to access all those from your C-sharp code, yeah, you need to have an if that says, are we living in a land that supports this? And yeah. if not, I guess I'll put a message box up, you know, or something kind of yeah. old school. But if you are on Windows 7, go ahead and do the fun slick thing. And can you do like toast? too like the pop-up kind of <laughs> so the toast notifications from the system tray the problem with those is the user can turn them off that's a problem that's a feature to <laughs> it me. is if you're the user it's not if you're the toaster hey you want to hear my impression of facebook chat ready <laughs> thank you very much thank you <laughs> very nice i hate that sound yeah yeah i go to so, bed shut up <laughs> So um, I've turned off like just about every balloon notification that I can. Yeah. I don't want to know that you know new updates are available, blah, blah, blah. And most users do that too. So that's why notifying them right on the taskbar is the new kind of way to go. Windows Live Messenger, always, I always turn off with the come online, go offline. Because have you ever gotten stuck in the vicious cycle of people who log on to one machine, go over to another machine, log off, log on to this machine like that, and you just see them going on and off all day long? Absolutely. It's really absolutely and annoying. Murphy's Law says when you need to scroll like a big document, 
that's when those little guys will leap up in front of the scroll bar. And yeah, that's right. Like, get down, I get can't down. click on what I need because <laughs> this stupid right. thing keeps popping up. Yeah. And if you and if your mouse is over it, then Messenger's like, oh, you want me to keep this here because you're looking at it. Of course. <laughs> Someday it'll just read our mind. I think the jump lists are the feature that's just not being used. You know, the the automatic features of jump lists, just like your last documents and that sort of thing. But, you know, when we were doing those demos in, in Canada, you can call to other programs. You can set past command lines to execute within a program. Like, There's a lot of so stuff you can do. Just to clarify, list. the jump list is like a right-click yeah. pop-up. Yeah. Yeah. You so right-click on the taskbar. You right-click on the taskbar, and by default, without writing any code, it you know here's what you've opened with the app lately. Okay, right. documents okay. that you've opened? Destinations. Yeah. So that? for IE, for example, it's URLs. Okay. Okay. But yeah, go ahead. Think okay. documents, right? right. So for, this is fantastic. I mean, that's how I open Word documents. I don't browse to wherever they are and double click them. I just right click my Word icon because yeah. it's probably one of the last 12 I opened. So do you get access to your menus as well or anything like that? No, or? it's strictly your, by default for free. By default. But then, oh, I think it's one, two lines of code. Right. You as a developer can add whatever you want into that list. So if you look at uh, Outlook 2010, when it's task, what the hell document matters with Outlook, right? right. You know, local.pst or something, doesn't matter. So its jump list is new mail message, new right. appointment, okay. new da-da-da-da-da. All right. It's wonderful. Things that matter. Well, yeah. it's just, you, so we were talking about this while we were doing the tour, that wouldn't it be cool to have an application, say that was like a sales management application, and whatever customer you were looking at at the time, the jump list would change to email that guy, make a new contact with that guy, that sort of thing. Exactly. So it was completely context sensitive to what was going on in the app. I miss keyboard shortcuts, people. <laughs> Are you with me? I love keyboard shortcuts. In Office... Where are my keyboard shortcuts? In Word? Where'd they go? Well, your control whatever still works. And I heard that your alt whatever still work. They just don't show you anything. But if you happen to have some alt sequence memorized, you can just do it and it'll work. But I'm, you know, control S. I mean, the S key's worn off on my yeah. laptop. Yeah. Save. Yeah. Save all the time. Save early and often. Comp all the time. <laughs> Auto save. That would be a... You know, autosave has always been one of those weird features because you, I kind of want control over when I save, and I would rather just program my brain to go boink to save. <laughs> whenever you think, all the time. whenever you have a moment of fear. Well, actually, exactly. one of the things that's was new in Vista, but we all ignored Vista, so it's also we can call it still new in Windows Seven. Yeah. Is restart and recovery? Actually, just saved my butt. Power just went out, and I had uh, a PC plugged in, not through the UPS. And the power went out. I have an SSD drive. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's not a good combination, people. <laughs> Windows 7 on an SSD drive when the power goes out. Oh, yeah, you're going to be recovering. But automatic recovery saved my butt today. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I talked Lawrence through it. I always thought that the automated, the sort of crash recovery thing was just to make Outlook suck less. Well, IE mostly. <laughs> You know, so I blame Flash, but it could be something else. Right. Um, you're minding your own business, got 27 tabs open. Most of them are things you don't even know the URL of because you right-clicked open a new tab. from. Right. You still haven't even looked at it. Haven't even them. looked at it. And then suddenly, it's Bing. white. Yeah. You got the donut of not working. Yes. It's all, it's all awful. You close it. Or it says, it's not Internet responding. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, fine. Okay, blow it away. Then you bring it back up and it says... Really sucks to be you. Do you want your stuff back? <laughs> yeah, I want my stuff back. That would be great. And it gives you all your stuff back. Yeah. And, you know, restart and recovery is doing that save at the moment of death. 
Unlike Word, which somehow, it saves like every 30 minutes, so why do I always lose 29 minutes of work? <laughs> so we're talking about two different things. I'm Completely talking about different. the recovery options in Windows 7. Yeah. Right. You're talking about restart and recovery. That's a feature in Windows your 7. applications. Yeah, yeah of yeah. Windows 7. So it's actually a service of the operating system, and they're all related. Yeah. Yeah. Um, along with a restart manager. So when, uh, when you have to do an install and they have to like, uh, change a DLL that some other thing is using. There's a whole mechanism about nicely closing those apps down, changing the DLL, and launching those apps again relatively transparently. I just like the with the, the whole the code around from the from the uh, the power the power pack of of setting up uh, re- uh, crash and recovery is it's just it's really cute, right? It's you you sort of check in. By the way, if I die. Right. This is my will. Exactly. Okay. Run this chunk of code. And then you get that moment where the, where the operating system comes to your application and goes, so guess what? <laughs> if you're watching you're this die. video. <laughs> yeah. You're about to die. You're about to die. Do God, you have any you'd last like to words? do before you die? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like a cigarette? <laughs> yes. Yeah, but because we're developers, our last wishes are, wait, let me write a bunch of stuff down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to make some notes. <laughs> well, I just, I've this. just noticed a, a general... Um, a, a gradual smartening of programs, the way they do things. I used to use an audio program uh, audition, Adobe Audition, and the first few versions of it were writing to temporary files. Like when it's a multi-track recording thing, and so when you open it up and let's say you want to record, th- I don't know, three or four tracks at the same time, and you start recording, it's writing those in temporary space. And it keeps the files open or something for performance. And if you, if it crashes, you've lost. It's all gone. You've yep. lost it. The newer version just writes to the files that, you know, you have to tell, you have to save the project first before you can record. So it knows where to put stuff and then it creates a directory and just saves them. And so it's there if you crash. So it it's really aware nicely. of the fact that stuff crashes. Stuff crashes. And yeah. let's not pretend that we have the computer all to ourselves right. and, and that we are all perfect. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And this machine is reliable, and I know what I'm doing, and you know. Yeah, and people don't trip over power cords, yeah. and none of that stuff actually happens. But what happens then, of course, when you if you do crash, you restart it, and it say, "Hey, there was a session going on, and we crashed. You want to recover it now?" Yeah. And you recover it, and everything's right there. It's wonderful. Who are the people who say no? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want your old stuff back? Nah. Nah. I don't want it. I'm over that. That was four that minutes was, ago. That was so four minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm afraid it's me. I don't usually get, when IE blows up, which it does, you know, routinely, I usually go, ah, forget it. None of that stuff was that important. No, uh, you know what? Like, honestly, I'm like, you know, ready to save my open tabs from the burning building. Then when I get them back, I'm like, okay, that, that's a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> that's all, all right. I get. Now for the most exciting part of the interview, let's talk about C++. <laughs> <laughs> sure. How many C++ programmers here? Wow. One, two, three. Yeah. No, Four, don't five? raise your hand Four. like just to the shoulder. Yeah, you gotta yeah, wave raise it. Raise them high. Raise them Otherwise, high. it's harder to shoot at you. One, <laughs> two, three. Still three <sighs> out of a whole bunch. So now you're gonna play the nobody writes in C anymore no, 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 card? No, no, no. No, I never I do think, that. I, f- I think if we asked the gentleman to raise his hand, the guy. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably tell you he was writing device drivers or 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 something like. Sir, what are you C plus plus? What are you doing in C plus plus? He's an MFC, MFC person, and he still has hair. It's remarkably young for an MFC developer. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's good too. How, all right, how many? Raise your hand high if you're doing unmanaged C plus plus. 
Nobody. Okay, nobody. No. It's because just you. It's, yeah, I know. When I'm done, I need to turn the lights out. I've said that before. <laughs> uh, but actually, it's a little bit of a renaissance going on um, mm. for a variety of reasons. One, there is a, I call C++ developers a kind of dark matter of the universe. Right. In the sense, they don't actually exist? No. <laughs> Certainly aren't any in St. Louis tonight. <laughs> they, don't, they don't come to events. And, and as my accountant will working. tell you, they don't buy books either. <laughs> too busy working. Yeah. But, you know, what's Windows written in? Oh. And what's C++. Office oh. written in? What's Visual Studio written oh. in? Oh. Yeah. Mm, Halo probably too, right? Oh. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, just kind of petty junk that no one really needs, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's, there's tons of ISVs out there all writing millions of lines of code in C++. Because that's how many it takes to do anything. Yeah. Well, okay, all seriousness I, aside. I met, I met brand new young C++ programmers, though, and I must admit I was a little shocked. Yeah. All seriousness aside, though, <laughs> what, what are the kinds of things that you cannot do in any other language? Because that's obviously yeah. where this... So where the, until this release of the framework there was quite a lot of interaction with the OS that you could not do managed because you couldn't have two CLRs in process. Right. Oh. So there was some in-process stuff that was fine if you were called from the shell, but what if you were called from an apps file open dialog, which is just like the shell? Yeah. And uh, I would say a fairly significant amount of things like custom properties had to be native code, yeah. not hmm. allowed not allowed to be managed. You could do it. I did it. Yeah. But it was undefined if you mixed and matched CLRs. Now we can mix and match CLRs, so that goes away. Um, there's still, obviously, existing code that's not broken, that's not hurting anyone, that you should maintain. I've had clients try to pay to, me to port their code from, like, MFC to C-sharp, and I just say, put your money away. That is a dumb idea and a horrible way to spend like a yeah. year of my life. Um, things that have to run very low, like yeah, ring zero or whatever. Things that are going to interact directly with hardware, although the new sensors and location platform for Windows 7 may change some of that, but uh, if you've got to talk directly to a piece of proprietary hardware, and there is still some perf, yeah, if you've got some engine it doesn't have to be SQL Server's engine, but lots mm -hmm. of folks have got engines that process records right. of various kinds, and they, they care about that extra oomph. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it's just what's the currently app written in, but there is still brand new Greenfield C++ development happening today. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you the new TFS Work Item Manager and TFS Project Dashboard. So if you're spending a lot of time on organizing the cluttered pile of work items in TFS, get ready for a fresh and intuitive experience. The guys at Telerik just launched the TFS Work Item Manager and Project Dashboard, a couple of free tools designed to make working with Team Foundation Server faster and easier. Unlike the standard TFS Explorer, the Work Item Manager lets you take advantage of powerful capabilities like filtering, as-you-type search, grouping and aggregation, and iteration scheduling. You can even see all the work items in a Scrum dashboard view, as if watching the whiteboard in your own room. Project Dashboard is a unique tool for visualizing TFS data. Useful for both developers and project managers, it helps you keep track of the latest TFS project activity, like current iteration progress, build history, recent check-ins, assigned tasks and bug history, and to understand the health of the project as a whole. The TFS tools are brought to you by Telerik and Imaginet the experts in application lifecycle management. Built with RAD controls for WPF, they're both amazingly flexible and responsive. Go to Telerik.com and download the TFS tools for free. And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks.
I was looking just recently at a survey, and of course they were focusing, they were talking about the satisfaction of developers with their development platform. And number one was .NET. And the story was all about the fact that Ruby's on Rails came so low. But the bottom was MFC. <laughs> when was it? This year. Ah. It's recent. Yeah. Because the, the, you know, MFC has sat untouched for a really, it, it's very really neglected. long time. Like a decade or more. <laughs> it's going crazy. So, so it's like actually. Internet Explorer. Mm. <laughs> it's in therapy. But then, starting a year or two ago, there was an out-of-band release. I don't know what it was called, feature pack, something or another. There's a department responsible for coming up with these names. <laughs> anyway, they updated MFC. They doubled its size. Department needs to be updated. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then in uh, the 2010 release that we've just had, again, another huge update to MFC. So, for example, the same stuff we have in Copac with overlays and jump lists and so mm -hmm. forth and so on is built into MFC. You mentioned the uh, sensor toolkit for Windows 7. Tell us about that. You know, who remembers before there was Windows? Okay. Absolutely. If you wanted to talk to a printer, it was horrible, right? You, there was, you, there was, you poked bytes into a memory location. That's right. And they were different depending on what kind of printer you were trying to go to. We yes. all thought PostScript was way like platform independent and cool. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the, the line I, I recall most often was my last copy of Symphony I bought, Ooh. which was five, five and a quarter disks for the app. And 60 driver disks. For all every different printer for in the universe? For every printer, wow. for every, because we were just starting to get mice then, which didn't do anything useful, but you might have one. And every kind of video card variation. And, you know, suddenly Windows actually, that was the point where you're like, okay, this window thing may have an might idea. Work out. So everybody under 40 is sleeping right exactly. now. <laughs> because as far as everyone else is concerned, you know, you got a printer, you send it characters, it prints it. Right. How hard can that be? Well, that was like the Windows magic, right? So if you want to talk to a piece of hardware, a light sensor or an accelerometer, which is fancy talk for Wiimote, because Microsoft people aren't allowed to say Wiimote, um, <laughs> or a GPS or a thermometer or whatever, in Windows 7, there's an abstraction layer over top of those now. So Just for sensors. For sensors and then location as a special subset of sensors, because yeah. the whole GPS story is huge. So what I like about the location thing is it abstracts how you got the location. Absolutely. If you don't have GPS, it'll use like IP location. And Wi-Fiing triangulation and, yeah, and cell triangulation. And it'll settle for in the control panel there's a place you can type where you are. And that's but super thing, accurate. But from a, from a programmer's perspective, you say, "What's my location?" Exactly, and it, and it gives you something. You hmm. you say to the operating system, "Where am I?" And the operating system figures out whether to ask the GPS or ask control panel or do something snazzy about your IP address or whatever. And it probably prompts the user to no. know, give permission. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. Now we wouldn't do that. Now you're talking crazy talk. Okay. There's even a fake location driver since device to talk to the driver so that you can you know test your your app by pretending hey, I to noticed be driving your webcam is on yeah right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the the i remember as uh, regional directors we all got this little sensor driver developer yes. kit with this little board the free scale board i couldn't figure it out could you figure it out? you could figure it out because you're a hardware geek but i couldn't well I didn't it was it was extra was complicated about. by the fact that neither of the two cds that came with it were the ones you needed and you had to download something from somewhere else yeah, yeah. right that was a beta and there was nothing on it there was 
There was a, a ribbon or something like that. I don't know where to plug that in. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So no docs. No it's docs. Just like, Here, try but if this. you knew the right guy, and I knew a guy, um, it was pretty cool because it had a light sensor in it. Yeah. And it did also have the accelerometer in it. And there's yeah. this demo kicking around where you could uh, drive a car by holding the circuit board in your hands. Hmm. And I was very bad at that. I drove into a lot of guardrails. Yeah. Nice. I put it on the cat. <laughs> Just saying. Did the cat drive into guardrails? The cat, the cat is mental. The cat runs into everything. So we had some very interesting accelerations. <laughs> <laughs> the cat sometimes misses stairs and head plants into his chair. So I'm yeah. surprised your cat doesn't play video games. I don't know. My cat's, cat, that cat's brain damaged. I don't know what's Cats don't have cat. the attention span for yeah. video games. <laughs> Can't believe we just had that conversation. <laughs> I, some of the best toys I've ever... I, I remember taking an old remote control car... Stripping the remote control stuff off of it, put two light sensors on it, separated by a board, and then a simple driver circuit that it would either be interested in light or be afraid of light. It was just a toggle switch between them. And so, if it was interested in light, you put a flashlight in front of it, it would follow the flashlight because depending on which sensor. Okay, it was so that's brighter, just a mechanical cat at that. Yeah, point. Well, totally. When you made it, a, the fun part was when you made it afraid of light, it would hide under chairs. <laughs> See, I can do the same thing with my cat with a laser pointer. Yeah. Wonderful toy for cats. Yeah. So the thing with the remote control car is it scared the snot out of the cat, which was a feature because the cat was white. So when you made it interested in light, uh, it chased the cat. That's awesome. And I didn't have to do anything. That's great. <laughs> Every day we're all grateful that you mostly use your powers for good. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> good Lord. So what's, uh, what are you working on these days, code-wise? Oh, man. Um, well, actually, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, it's not code, but uh, my tutorial went live up at Pluralsight, Windows 7 development tutorial. Um, I've got some SharePoint projects underway, so I'm writing a ton of uh, SharePoint code. And, um, mm, yeah, ordinary bread and butter stuff. Mm-hmm. Do, you, yeah. do you still write a lot of C++ for folks? Um, it depends on the client. Um, quite often I'll be mentoring some folks who have an unmanaged core of code that they never intend to change and they are studying it with more modern things. So they've got some click once app that they wrote in C sharp Mm -hmm. that talks to it and they've added a bunch of web services and things like that. And usually at some point in that process, there's some nasty marshalling that has to happen. That whole bridging between right. native and, and Converting management. The, you know, because like a managed string is not the same as a native string. Right. Well, and in C++, you invented the land of a thousand string types. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got more string types than you can shake a cat That's at. Right. And, and we got quite a few date types as well in time. Like, don't feel left out. Yeah. You know? yeah so yeah. absolutely. And so sometimes you got to step up there and write some some fancy marshalling code. I'll get involved in that kind of thing for sure. Yeah. I want to change gears a little bit here and and talk on on the lines of education because you are one of the very few people I know who have a doctorate in computing science. Well, in engineering, but yes. But I mean, you're actually... But I do have a PhD, it's true. Yeah, you're a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're really interested in how your blood first reacts to a foreign surface as it flows past it, which is fascinating computationally, because it's a non-Newtonian fluid and uh, uh, a non-constant fluid flow rate through a stretchy walled vessel. So it's super cool. And there's like a thousand reactions at once. If you care about that, I will bore you with that for hours. I would... I'm sorry. I'd love that, actually. (laughs) I can immediately think of three applications I'd like to look at for that. But maybe that's just me. It's probably just me and you, yeah. I think we lost Carl. We lost Carl. 
is immediately I think of like a, a cell wall membrane in a, in a in a blood vessel. I'm just yeah. a dumb musician. What do I know? <laughs> Can I tell you? Well, you know what? Um, doing biochemical engineering research and solving multiple partial differential equations and blah blah was a ton of fun, but there's no money in it. Mm-hmm. So I don't really do that no more. Yeah, except for that part where you have nothing to eat. Yeah, great. Yeah. Fun. Other than great that, fun. yeah, or you might have to live in Saskatchewan or something. Do Do you see a need? <laughs> For that level of education in computing science still? You know what? You need people across a broad spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I get kind of irritated with my local university because I don't want to teach Visual Basic because they go, we're not a trade school. We don't want to teach anybody anything that they could immediately use in the workplace because that would mean we were turning out hairdressers. So obviously they're teaching C++. Uh, And Java. You set this up. I, I just delivered true. it. So they can all write their own, like, you know, linked lists, yes. which is constantly, you know, we oh, all have to do that three or four times yeah. a week. Very but, useful. Yeah. <laughs> write your own language compiler. Right? Yes. Forget about how to write an application, which is really what I we need to I think in fourth year they do learn about databases, to be mm. fair. Yeah. But so it's still not an application. I actually started teaching there, honestly, to improve that. As really? like as a sort of my gift to the university, I come in and I teach design. Yeah. So, um, I think universities need to teach teach a huge spectrum of stuff, mm-hmm. all the way from, you know, those the you know ten month wonders or ten week wonders where they teach you programming language and you get out there and then you really learn how to do it. Yeah. All the way up to people who absolutely are earning PhDs in this stuff and and you know the kind of person whose head won't foot through regular doors. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I, need, I want a group of scientists to actually figure out how to build an operating system that will use a massive number of multiple cores. Yep. Because we're going to need that, like, next year. Yes. But the multi-core era. Is a, is a huge problem and a real science problem. But I, mm-hmm. I feel like we need to graduate so many more engineers, right? folks that are doing applied computing rather than... People who've learned the concepts stuff. of problem solving and yeah. know how to ask the right questions to find out what the problem is. Right. And then... You know, I used to say in frustration sometimes with some of my juniors, would it be okay with everybody if at some point we actually wrote some code that solved the particular problem the client is having? Because they're busy writing like the super general case. You know, if we right. just add another five parameters to this function, it will also turn the coffee on in the morning, yes, right? right. The do everything function. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. The miracle occurring So, uh, you know, the nice thing about an engineering background is you're focused on what's the problem, how mm-hmm. can I solve it? Yeah, there might be duct tape. It's not always going to be elegant. It's the mathematicians who say, this equation is so beautiful, it must be true, right? Which I get. But that's, that's, and and I tend to equate the computer scientist that way too. The, the purity of language is such a science thing to say, as opposed to an engineering thing to say, which, you know, does it do stuff? Yeah. I like stuff. I like stuff. Stuff is good. Stuff is good. (laughs) When I do this, stuff happens. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. But I think the, the other side of engineering that, that interests me is this idea of the responsibility for the project. The same, I keep looking at bridge building and, and software building as the same thing. There is an engineer. It's his butt if the, if the, the bridge falls over. Right. right. And a really great bridge not only carries cars over the river and doesn't fall down, but maybe looks nice too. Yeah. 
right? But but first, it's a pleasure to drive over. Yeah. But but first and foremost, the whole not falling down. Yeah. That's really a deal breaker. It's a big deal. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that's not in the nice to haves. But I'm also thinking when you build a bridge, not everybody in there is an engineer. So I'm trying to find the strata yeah. of developers and all of the folks involved in a project like that that that, that makes sense because I don't think we, we're there. So we should should we be teaching more concepts of of application development and multi-tiered standard test driven kind of things in college? Well, see, that's the thing. It's easy to say, well, you know, they're only teaching concepts, but a lot of times the concepts they're teaching are concepts like later you might have more users than you do now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> done, done, right. Done. Have, so, has there any such thing as a scalability class in the university? Yeah, I've never seen or Not heard. You can take a class in security in fourth year in some places, and it'll be like five years out of date. Somebody ought to start a real university for computer science. Somebody should phone his local. Yeah. UBC. Hi. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but no, totally. So that all that concept stuff, scalability and security and, and usability mm. and the theory of how your eye sees colors and, mm-hmm. and various names with, you know, laws with people's names yeah. in them, fits law and so forth. That's all great. Yay. Let's teach that in university as well as the syntax of Visual Basic, right? Because yeah. the guy who only knows the syntax of Visual Basic, when something goes really screwy in his, in his life, not in his app, but in the life that he wrote the app for. He's not going to go, wait, I remember in our course on, right. I don't know, internet privacy regulation or scalability or internationalization or whatever. Because mm-hmm. he just knows how to solve this problem with access and VB. So you need both. Depending on the college you went to, he might not remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. saying. And they're still having moments there where that sounded like a trade school. Like, you know, right. you're way too focused on actually getting work done to have actually gone to college. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe a certain number of people can be turned out who don't actually know how to work in a, in a language that the community uses. I mean, you, University of Toronto, where I did my grad work, was really proud of the fact that they used a language that nobody really used. <laughs> they thought that was really nice and pure. It wasn't pure. sullied by like commercial interests. Yeah. It was designed to be easy for beginners and, you know, other stuff that the corporate world couldn't care less about, right? Mm. But there's another philosophy here around software development that's more of the apprenticeship journeyman master mentality. Yeah. That is not, you know, involving higher education, quote unquote. That it's about practiced with people that are more skilled than you. I don't know how you look at that. Actually, it would be kind of fun to see if the Red Seal program, I don't know if there is the Red Seal here in the United States, but we have in Canada for apprentices and, and my daughter is a chef and there's a uh, chef program under the Red Seal. Mm-hmm. And you have this giant binder of skills and you work with a guy who's certified. And from time to time, he initials in your binder that he taught you how to do something. You know, right. So today you chopped up an onion successfully or made a hollandaise sauce or whatever. And when your binder's all filled in, then you're in. And wouldn't that be mm. a cool thing to do for developers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, today I yeah. taught you how to normalize tables. Yeah. I think there'd be so much outcry over what goes in that binder. Oh, I wouldn't want to be the guy who writes the binder. I yeah. wouldn't want to be in charge of that. But if they did it for chefs and carpenters and, and I don't know what all else there is it for, yeah. just about every skilled trade. I, I just think that software development is so an imprecise uh, thing. I mean, there are patterns and there are, there's precision about it, but... Um, when it comes to solving a problem, no two problems are alike, usually. Ah, uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things Whereas I learned... Whereas a hollandaise sauce is a hollandaise, a hollandaise sauce. A sauce is a hollandaise sauce. But if you're, you know, when you're a TA, a teaching assistant, and you're marking people's first-year assignments, they don't know how you can tell that they copied. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
That's you know true. what? There's 40 kids in this class, and it's like print all the numbers from one to ten. Right. And if I don't get 40 completely unique solutions, somebody cheated. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough with bits. All right. So let's I, get back to writing code. Sure. Uh, the the anything else in in Windows Seven land that uh, we should be aware of? Well, I really also like the network and the power awareness in Windows Seven. I mean. They did eventually fix this in Word, but there are still apps out there that do this. You go file print, and it'd be a great idea if on the file print dialog, we told you the status of the printer that you currently have selected, right? Yeah. That was a, that was a sweet thought, written by <laughs> some 20-year-old who's always on the network. Because mm. when you're not on the network, you'd be like, please wait. Yeah. 30 seconds later, it's like, hey, you know that printer that you printed to yesterday on another continent? I can't find it. Yeah. So but I'm going to keep looking. Yeah. <laughs> so don't do anything. In fact, I'm going to make sure you can't do anything on <laughs> your computer right. while I go and try and find that printer. That's right. It's out there somewhere. And I'll I, find it. And I know God. that's where you really want to print. And so that, admittedly, they fixed that. But there's still plenty of other apps. How about this one? Cancel? You want to cancel? Oh, you're going to have to wait for that, too. <laughs> so with the network awareness, I mean, think about it. Your machine knows if you're online or not. It draws the pretty little icon in the in the tray. But, but it's a war- way harder concept than we necessarily acknowledge. Am I on the internet? Right. I so, have a network link, but that's so a we actually thing. have two calls you can make. One is called "Is network connected?" or "Is connected," and the other is called "Is connected to internet." Mm-hmm. You could also just do a ping google.com. Well. You this is the way tr- my brain thinks. You could try pinging something musician. that you Hold hope on. will answer, but this is actually quicker because I you know, do ping stuff and it yeah. takes a while. So you call is connected to internet, and if you're connected, then go ahead and try talking to printers or checking my mail or whatever yeah. you think is more important than what I'm trying to do. But if you're not, don't wait to time out. Just talk yeah. to me. Right. Yeah. Or better yet, don't talk. Like we, we have this, uh, we had an issue with this tracker application. Initially, uh, when we would, you know, cause we're using these Verizon cards. I don't have one, but you know, the little Verizon, uh, air cards. We use those in the RV and occasionally they go down. No. We knew. We go over a big bump and everybody gets disconnected. <laughs> everybody gets disconnected yeah, just momentarily. Yeah. The, the bump knocks the radio waves out off the air. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Cause, yeah. yeah. And then they get crook, cricks in them. Yeah. A little bent up. <laughs> the way, the waves get cricks in them. It can't be received correctly. You guys are so technical. But every it's, application in the machine that's dependent on a network connection has they, a different reaction to that. They yeah. have a little spasm. Yes. I mean, this, this Silverlight yeah. app barfs a bunch of dialogue errors. Yeah. And then right? by the time your stuff does come back on, you're 27 dialogue <laughs> yeah. boxes deep. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, it's bad enough you telling me I'm wrong. You're making me agree with you, too. Yeah. But, but that's right. just I am something, stupid, okay? <laughs> but that's just something that the programmers never thought of because, you know, whatever. Because he's got people, a constant connection. He's got a yeah. constant connection. Yeah. Most people are using this. They're at their office. They're not thinking, we might be using it on the road. On the road. Yeah, exactly. And I think that developers are never representative of their audience. They've always got bigger machines with bigger screens, bigger hard drives, faster, everything. You know, we used to to say about a website, man, that was demoed on a laptop, you know. (laughs) 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 But developers never really think about the rest of the world. And the rest of the world, you know, uses apps in odd places and isn't always online. How many times have I worked with a development team now where their answer to their technical problems was, you know, if we just ship another two gigs of RAM with the <laughs> software for every customer, <laughs> that would be cheaper than memory. trying to fix this thing. The correct answer is you need more memory. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, uh, Spolsky used to say that uh, it was easier to wire the whole world for internet than to yeah. write a good occasionally connected app. Absolutely. So I think that's about uh, all we have time for, Kate. I'd cool. like to thank you very much. Let's give Kate Gregory a big hand. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rock! .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm